In the beginning of the parsha, Rashi quotes the words "Kiseitze la Mulchama," and he explains that this is referring to a Mulchemes Harashus, an optional war. And Rashi brings a proof of this because, had it been speaking about the wars of Eretz Yisrael, the pasuk would have not been able to say "Veshavisa Shivyoi." If you take a captive, because in regards to the people living in Eretz Yisrael, the pasuk tells us already We know elsewhere that we weren't allowed to let anybody live. And therefore, it must be that we're not speaking about the wars of Eretz Yisrael, rather we're speaking about the Mulchemes Arashus, an optional war. Now, earlier on in Parshas Vayera, Rashi had explained that the word key has actually four translations. It can mean four different things. It could mean if, it could mean perhaps, it could mean but, or since. And the order that Rashi gives is in, those, in that case is that he says e first, that means if, meaning to say that that is the most obvious, most simple, and most regular translation of the word key would usually mean if. In other words, it's a situation where we're not 100% sure whether something is going to happen. This is a simple translation of key, meaning im, like if. So the Rebbe asks, in this case, when the Pasek says, ki seitse la Rashi should have used the fact that it says ki as a proof to his explanation that ki seitse la is if you go out to war. At least let Rashi bring this as a support for his explanation. That ki seitze la mulchama, since it says if you'll go out to war, not when you will go out to war, etc. So the fact that it says ki seitze itself implies that it is an optional war. But Rashi does not bring this as a proof. The question is why. On the other hand, if Rashi does want to discuss what kind of war we're speaking about, and he clearly is not using the words ki seitze as a proof. His only proof is from the words later on, vishavisa shivye, that he's going to be taken captives. So what should have Rashi's Dibra Hamaschil been? Rashi should have been quoting and discussing the word lemulchama, what type of war we're speaking about. He should not bring the words ki seitze, which seemingly he's not using as a support, and he's not even explaining those particular words. Now in the previous parsha, in parsha shoiftim, we find the word key three times in regards to war, in three sections of the parsha when it starts describing Gideon going to war. And each of these three times, Rashi deals with it in a different way and different to the way it's in our parsha. So the first one is, the Pasuk says, when you go out to war and you'll see a very, very big army, lots of horses and so on and so forth, you shouldn't be afraid of them. In that particular case, Rashi does not explain anything what type of war we're discussing, whether it's an optional war or a mandatory war. Even though in the Sifri, on that very Pasuk, it explains that it is referring to an optional war. Then we have another Pasuk, a few Pesukim further. The Pasuk says, Ki sikra ir about it when you're pro- approaching a city to wage war. And there the Pasuk is going to speak about offering peace to the people and so on. That's the context of those psukim over there. So Rashi quotes the words Kisikra Velir and tells us that it's referring to an optional war 
And how does Rashi know this? Rashi says, as it's stated explicitly further on in those psukim, that this is the way you should be dealing with all of the far-off cities, meaning cities that are clearly not in Eretz Yisroel. And finally, on another Pasuk, a few Pesukim further, again starting a new section, the Pasuk says, If you're going to be placing a siege on a city, the Pasuk is discussing over there not to cut down the fruit trees and so on. So on those very words, Kisatzer el Rashi does not explain anything of what type of Mulchama we're speaking about. But only after he explains the word Rabbim, when you're going to place a siege for many days, and Rashi explains that it's dealing with three days. And from here we learn out that you don't place a siege um, less than three days before Shabbos. And Rashi says from here we learn out that we first try to offer peace for two or three days to the city. Then Rashi says, And we're speaking about an optional war. So the Rebbe asks, in regards to the first Pasuk, when you go out and you see a big army, etc., not to be afraid. And so too, in the Pasuk, he starts at Alir about placing a siege in a city. Why in these two psukim doesn't Rashi use the word ki as, an, as, a, as a reason to explain, as a proof that we're speaking about an optional war? That's number one. Number two, from the fact that Rashi explains... On this, on the Pasuki Sikra Velir. When you get close to a city, again, that was the Pasuk speaking about offering peace. And Rashi says that this is referring to a Mulchemes Harishus. Then Rashi says, as it says explicitly later on, that we're dealing with faraway cities. Now, these, this is a few psukim further. It seems to be implying that in truth, from the words Ki Sikra Velir, we could also prove that it's an optional war. That's why Rashi is bringing it on these words. But the proof wouldn't be absolutely sufficient, and therefore Rashi is bringing even a stronger proof, as it says explicitly later, that this is dealing with faraway cities. The question, however, is, why, in this case, does it sound like Kisikra Velir would be a reason to say that it's an optional war? In other words, again, we just said that from Kisikra, from the fact that it says Ki, meaning implying if, it does sound over here that Rashi would use it as a support for saying that it's if, it's only an optional war, but Rashi also wants another proof, as we just mentioned. And the question is, this is the next question, why does Rashi need a second proof? And finally, when Rashi says, on the words Rabbim, that we're speaking about a Melchemist, Horeshus, Rashi does not actually explain how exactly is it a proof. In the previous case, Kisikra Velir, Rashi explained how we have the proof because we are dealing with faraway cities and so on. Here, Rashi just says, was speaking about an optional war. How is it and why is it that Rashi doesn't explain what exactly is the proof? as he did in Kisikra Valir, and as he does in our parsha on Kisaitse, La Mulchamu, where he tells us what the proof is from the Shavisa Shivyoy. So the Rebbe explains. Right after Kisaitse La Mulchamu, the next word describing what's happening when you go out to war, the Posek says, Vishavisa Shivyoy. And you will take these captives. If that's the case, says the Rebbe, 
The truth of the matter is there would have been another way of understanding the word key. Even if we were speaking about a Melchemes Choyva, a mandatory war. That means to say that yes, the word key could mean that it's optional. And we could still be speaking about a mandatory war. How would that work together? Because the word key, if, is not referring to if you go out to war. The if is going on if you take captives. Not every single time you're going out to war are you getting captives. So if just for the words key say say, even if we would translate the word key as if, it would still make sense. And this would be true even if we're speaking about a mandatory war. And therefore Rashi cannot bring a proof just because it says key if automatically it means an optional war. That's why Rashi has to say, no, there's a different reason why we say it's an optional war, and that is because it says the Shavisa Shivya, you're taking captives, which wouldn't be able to be possible if we were speaking about a war in Eretz Yisrael. Says the Rebbe, now we could also understand why Rashi does quote the words Kiseitze. Not because the words Kiseitze are proving to us that it's an optional war, but rather based on the fact that Rashi tells us that it's an optional war from Vishavisa Shivyoi, we're actually going to understand the words Kiseitze differently now. That is, if the Pasek would be speaking about Amulchama and Eretz Yisrael, which is a mandatory war, how would we then understand the word Kiseitze? So we would say as follows, either Ki means if, and the if is going on the words if you take captives, that would have been one way of understanding key say say. Alternatively, we would say key doesn't mean if. Rather, key means when you go out to war. So that's the way we would look at the word key. But once Rashi explains to us that because of has to be referring to a mandatory war, the wars of Eretz Yisrael. So now we could translate the word key back to its re- so therefore, because the Shavisa Shivya cannot be referring to a mandatory war, sorry. It has to be referring to an optional war, not an Eretz Yisrael. Based on that, we can now translate the word key in the regular way, if you will go out to war, not when you go out to war, or that the word key is referring to if you happen to get a captive. Rather, the regular meaning of key, if you go out to war, because we already know that it's an optional war. The Rebbe says the word seitze also has a different meaning based on the fact that it's an optional war. If we were saying that it's a war speaking about an Eretz Yisrael to conquer Eretz Yisrael, then what would ki seitze mean? We're speaking about, seitze usually means that you go out from the place where you're settled, going out to a place of war. If we're speaking about the wars fighting in Eretz Yisrael itself, the Yidin don't have yet a permanent place that they're going out of. The whole purpose of the war is to get, to conquer a permanent place for themselves in Eretz Yisrael. How would we then understand the word Kiseitze? We don't understand it in the physical sense of going out. Rather, it's more of a conceptual thing, a mental thing, going out of your current state, out of your state of peacefulness and serenity, going out, preparing yourself for war. That's what we would have said Kiseitze means. But now the Rashi tells us that we are dealing with an optional war going out of Eretz Yisrael. Now we understand Seitzei in its regular, simple, literal meaning that it means going out from Eretz Yisrael to the place of the enemy. So again, just to summarize, the proof of Rashi is from the Shavisa Shivyoi that it cannot be referring to a Muhammad of Eretz Yisrael, not from the word Ki, because Ki 
we could have understood in a different way that it was only referring to if you happen to take captives. But now that Ashi proved from Bishavisa Shivyoy that what it actually means is that it was dealing with an optional war, not a war in Eretz Yisrael. So now key, Seitzei is understood, both of them in the literal translation. Key means if, and Seitzei means you will actually be going out of Eretz Yisrael. Says the Rebbe, now we can start understanding the Psukim and Parsha Shoiftim. So we have the Pasuki Seitzei Lamalchama, you go out to war and you'll see a big army, and you shouldn't be afraid, etc., etc. Says the Rebbe, over there, Rashi couldn't have said that it's referring to a Melchemes HaRashus because of the words key. Because since it says key, if, automatically it's going to mean that if you go out to war. Because in that case, we could have clearly said, yes, we're speaking about a mandatory war. So why does it say key, say, say? The key, say, say, is not going on it if you go out to war. The key is referring to if you happen to see a big army. That's what the if is going for. That's not necessarily you're going to see a big army and that you need to be warned, not to be worried, not to be afraid. So the key, say, say, therefore, does not automatically mean that, that it's an option to go out to war. We might, we might be speaking about a mandatory war, mandatory war, and yet the key is referring to if you see a big nation that you're afraid of. And since, even from the continuation of those few psukim, where the Pasuk is telling you not to be afraid, etc., there's no absolute necessity from the psukim, from Shutish or Mikra, to say it's an optional war. So Rashi doesn't say anything. Rashi doesn't say what kind of war we're speaking about. It could be either way. Now the next Pasuk, when the Pasuk says, when the Pasuk speaks about placing a siege on the city, the word over here, ki, could also just mean if. Because again, even if you're speaking about a mandatory war, not necessarily you're placing sieges, there's definitely wars that happen without placing a siege. So the key could be referring to if you place a siege. And then these are the halachas that you have to do about not cutting down the fruit trees and so on and so forth. So therefore, that's the doubt in the key. If you place a siege, but not regarding the war itself, it might be a mandatory war. And therefore, Rashi does not say on the words kisotsur, that it's a Melchemes HaRashus. And Rashi doesn't even quote it as part of his Dibra Maschil in that case. Even though we are eventually going to prove that that case was speaking about a optional war as we'll soon see. Because the word key is not changing just because it's a Melchemes HaRashus. In our parsha, we said once it's a Melchemes HaRashus, we're no longer understanding the word key the same way. But in that particular case, the key remains the same key, if you will place a siege. And that can be true whether it's an optional war or a mandatory war. So it says the Rebbe, but in that particular case, once Rashi says on the word, Rabbim, in other words, you're going to be placing the siege for many days. And Rashi tells us over there that it teaches us that we first start off with offering peace. And that the Pasuk teaches us that you offer peace for two, three days, etc. Now Rashi comes along and says, Ah, oh, so we must say that it's speaking of an optional war. Because Rashi had told us already earlier on the Pasuk, he's Sikra Velir, the Pasuk that deals with calling out for peace. Rashi told us already that when do you call out for peace? Is a Melchemes Horoshus an optional war? So therefore, in this case as well, when we're speaking about a Pasuk that you're placing a siege for many days because you're first asking for peace, etc. Obviously, it must mean that it is an optional war and that's why Rashi is 
basing it on the words, Rabbim, that you're there for many days. Now what about in the Pasuk, what about that actual Pasuk when you're approaching a city and you're calling out for peace and so on, where in the, there's no further description of what's happening in Kisikrav about approaching the, the city for the war. In that case, there's no room to say that the key might be referring to something else, that the doubt may be referring to something else. It's definitely referring to the war itself. So if you're going to go out to war, so in that case, Rashi does bring the words ki sikravel ir, implying that the key itself is already telling us that it's an optional war. But Rashi doesn't suffice with that. Rashi doesn't say that it's because the key, although that's true. Why is that? Because there is a still a bit of a problem from an earlier story in the Torah, which would seemingly imply that we do call out to peace, or you can call out to peace even in the wars against Eretz, in the, with the Goyim and Eretz Yisrael. And therefore Rashi cannot just say from the words, when you approach a city and you call out to peace, we must be speaking about an optional war. Where do we see that there's a concept of asking for peace in other cases? So we have in Parshas Chukas and in Parshas Dvorim. It relates how Moshe Rabbeinu sent messages, messengers to Sichayin Melech Moiri, who was one of the seven nations, he sends words of peace, asking, let me cross over through your land. Which tells us that even in the Mulchemes Choyve, even in a mandatory war like the wars of Eretz Yisrael, there is room and you should first start off with peace. Now surely Moshe Rabbeinu wouldn't be transgressing, Chas the warning of the Torah, of Loisachaya Kol Neshama, where Torah says that you shouldn't allow anyone to live. So if that's the case, so when it says Kisikrav, when it says when you approach a city and offering it offering peace, then it does make sense that it is refer, referring even to the mandatory war. And therefore, the word key should perhaps be translated as when you approach a city and you offer it peace. In fact, it would make even more sense that it's specifically speaking about the mandatory war because that would be the bigger chiddush, that even in a mandatory war, you have to offer peace. And this is why Rashi can't rely just on the word key. And he has to explain, but let's look a little bit further where it says explicitly that this is what you're going to be doing to all the faraway cities. So we cannot be speaking about the wars of Eretz Yisrael because it says clearly in the Pasha the opposite that we're dealing with faraway places. Ah, if you're going to ask the question then, so how does Moshe Rabbeinu offer peace to Sichon Melech Moiri if we just said that the peace only applies to faraway cities? This is why Rashi, in the beginning of his pirush, he brings also the words kisikravelir. When you approach a city, which he's trying to hint with this is, that the fact that we start off with peace only in an optional war, that's true only when you're approaching a city to fight the city and so on. Then we'll say in that case, we would only offer peace to nations in faraway places. But what if it's not the time when we're approaching the city, not the time when we're going out to war against the city? Then you would be allowed to offer peace, even with the Zayinumis, even with the seven nations. And so to in our case, when Moshe Rabbeinu is offering peace to Sichon, this is in a time when he's not trying to fight with Sichon, he wants to cross the land. He's not approaching the city, he's not trying to fight the city, and therefore in that case he was allowed to start off with asking for peace. The Rebbe says, one of the amazing things we see in our Rashi in the area of Allah is the following. Rashi started off by saying 
that clearly the Pesach is speaking about an optional war. And then he goes on and says, because in the wars of Eretz Yisrael, we wouldn't be able to say, Vishavisa Shivyoi. Now why does Rashi speak about the wars of Eretz Yisrael? Why doesn't he just use the opposite of Rashus? We can't say that it's a, that it's a mandatory war. We have to say it's an optional war. He went from the word Rishus and suddenly he's dealing with specifically the wars of Eretz Yisrael. Especially that we know that we actually have another type of Mulchemis Chayva, for example, when we have to fight Amalek. There too, you can't take any captives because they were commanded to erase the memory of Amalek from man to woman, etc. So seemingly from the words of Shavisa Shivya, that would have been even true for fighting Amalek. Why does Rashi emphasize the idea that we can't be speaking about Eretz Yisroel. So the Rebbe says that Rashi is trying to hint to us over here that when we are fighting in Eretz Yisroel, even if it's a particular case, which is not an obligation to wage war right now, as we'll soon see when that could be, even in that case, we wouldn't be able to apply our Pasuk and say Vishavisa Shivya to take captives, because if there's any type of war in Eretz Yisrael, even if it's not the kind that's a mandatory war, we have the obligation of Leisachaya Kol Neshama not to, le- not to leave them alive. The explanation of this, when would there be a situation where we might be waging war, and yet it's not a Mulchemes Chayva? In Parshas Mishpatim it says, that Hashem says, I'm not going to chase out the nations from before you in one year, in case the land will... Lay barren will be desolate, and the animals will come, etc. Rather, I'm going to chase the nations out bit by bit until you will be fruitful and conquer the whole land, etc. Says the Rebbe, from here we can understand that Al-Derech Apshat, the obligation and the mitzvah to chase the Goyim out of Eretz Yisroel is only going to be in a way that you're not causing that the land should remain barren, should remain desolate. So if you would go ahead and conquer the land, in a way that you're not able to set, settle it right then, then that's not part of the obligation that you have. And therefore the Rebbe is going to conclude the point that Rebbe is making is that in that kind of situation, we still have the obligation of even though it wasn't a Mulchemes Chayva. And the Rebbe says, based on this logic, we could also understand the following one uh, question. And that is, how is it that the Bnei Yisrael pushed off? The Kibush Aretz, the conquering of the land, it took them seven years. Now even though it's true that Rashi says, in Yoshua, Rashi says that this was actually a disgrace for Yoshua. Rashi explains over there because Yoshua knew that he's going to live as long as they didn't finish conquering and so on. So he, knew, he knew his life depends on this, so he was taking his time. Nevertheless, it's still difficult. How does it make sense that the Canaanim didn't protest? And furthermore, we must say that Yeshua had some sort of heter, some sort of permission, some sort of allowance to push off the conquering of Eretz Yisroel for the Yidden for seven years. But it makes sense now based on what we said before. Because if the land is going to remain empty and barren, a situation where the animals could come, there is room to say that there is no obligation to conquer the land right now. Says that ever based on this, we could also understand in a very gishmaka way when Rashi says over there regarding Yeshua that he had in mind to delay, to push off the conquering of Eretz Yisrael. Rashi doesn't say docha, he pushed it off. In other words, the issue over here is that the actual fact that in his mind he had an idea of let's not rush it, this itself 
was holding back, was holding him back of being able to sort of try to figure out a way that let's conquer Eretz Yisrael. And at the same time, it shouldn't remain barren. It shouldn't remain desolate. So because he had this in mind, in other words, he wasn't rushing, therefore, automatically it ended up getting delayed and getting pushed off. Although, yes, it was beheter. Technically, you could push it off. But really, had he not had in mind to, for his arichos yomim, he would have found some way away of even conquering it then. Says the Rebbe, now let's go back to our Rashi. That where it says, B'molchemes Eretz Yisroel. If it's in a war of Eretz Yisroel, you can't say V'shavisa Shivyoy. In other words, as long as there's a war in Eretz Yisroel, even if it's not an obligation to fight right now, as we just explained, there's a possibility that sometimes that could be, nevertheless, there's the Tzivui, there's the Mitzvah, Loisachaya, Kol Neshama, do not let any of them live. Why not? Because the concept of Loisachaya, Kol Neshama, is not really connected directly with conquering Eretz Yisroel. It's actually a Mitzvah for itself, the point of it being is so that none of the goyim should be teaching you to act in all of their disgusting ways. And therefore, when you're fighting in Eretz Yisrael, even if the war technically is not an obligation right now, you have that separate mitzvah of and therefore there's no possibility that you can be taking them as captives. Then comes Rashi in the next Dibra Maschel and says, you'll take its captives. Says Rashi, this will include even if there's a Kenani in these other foreign lands, even if they're from the seven nations, you would be allowed to take them as a captive. What, what is Rashi telling us over here? Because based on what we just said, is not connected to conquering Eretz Yisrael, I would have thought that even in a, a, a Mulchama, that is an optional war outside of Eretz Yisrael, maybe I shouldn't be allowed to take captives from the Kenanim. Maybe there's this concept, I'm not allowed to let any of them live. So Rashi says, because there's an extra word, we must say that something else is being added, that the Canaanim and these other places, even though they are from the seven nations, nevertheless, the, the, the obligation of is only on the seven nations that are in Eretz Yisrael. The Rebbe says, we all know the Pisgum of the Alter Rebbe, that Pirush Rashi is Yenushal Torah, the wine of Torah, that there is deep secrets and Pinim Yisrael and Yonim in Rashi. From this we understand that Rashi is also going and fitting with that which is explained in Pinim Yisrael Torah in Chassidus. So the Rebbe asks the following question. In Chassidus, on the beginning of the Parsha, on these words, Kisaitzil HaMulchama, Chassidus explains at length that this is dealing with the Mulchama of the Nefesh or Alikis against the Nefesh of Bahamas, the Yetzirah, the Mulchama that happens during Tefillah, during our davening. We are told that Sha'as Tzloisa, the time of davening, is a time of battle, a time of war, we're fighting the Yetzirah. But if that's the case, how could it then be as Rashi says? It's an optional war. Seemingly, this is a mandatory war. Of course we have to be fighting our Yetzirah. So the Rebbe explains... The Rebbe says the following. It's explained in a number of places. There's two ways of dealing with the Yitzhahara. One is B'derech Muhammad when we fight him, it's a war. The other one is B'derech Menucha in a calm, relaxed, serene, peaceful way. Generally speaking, this is the difference between Avoida Satfila, which is a time of war, and the Avoida of Toido, which is called Rachea Darchinoyim, its ways are peaceful and pleasant. And this is dealing with the Yitzhahara in a totally different way. We're doing our Avoida in a calm and peaceful way. So the avoid of tefillah is called elevating, refining of a yetzahara mulmatolamayla. That means we have to get involved dealing with the nefesh of Bahamas. The nefesh of Kis has to get involved in the nefesh of Bahamas. There's lots of war, there's lots of effort. 
Whereas Torah is more mylalamata. We're just learning Torah and automatically Alikus is coming down, godliness is coming into our soul, and then the Sahara is automatically being nullified and elevated, etc. Says the Rebbe, now we can understand why the when we speak about fighting the Sahara is called Melchemis Horashus, is not because sometimes we don't have to deal with the Sahara. No, the Pshat is, there's another way of dealing with the Yitzhara. It doesn't necessarily have to be a war. Rather, it could be the Avoidah through Torah.